So Dhamma, Dhamma practice is a, a craft. Mm. It means craft is both as an artistic quality to it, which it's has the qualities of certain beauty, balance, um, something that lets the mind be very receptive. You know, you, you step back and enjoy, and that's part of it. Something that is conducive to that. So. Some of our devotional practices are really have a certain art to them, you know, where the tonalities, the light, the balance, the resonances uh, are not about, you know, they, they mean what they are. <laughs> you know, they don't have to be interpreted. They have an immediate uh, effect. A certain, we could say, likened to an art where you just, you, you, your mind steps back sits back, enjoys, receives, and is a uh, certain resonance runs through it. And it's important to to kindle that quality because it touches into our depths of our citta. Uh, citta roughly means mind, but um, we'll pause around that. But essentially we have kinds of levels to that. There's a rational and emotional, and there's also something on the imaging forming level which are perhaps, um, you know, where we feel touched and moved and where we feel rapture and awe, we feel sober and we feel something bigger, you know, in the presence of that. And that the artistic, imaginative qualities can touch into this level, and it's important they do, because this is where we can draw forth tremendous uh, strength um, faith uh, that goes beyond our self, our self-package, our history, our personal history, um, our moods, our thoughts, our reasons. And uh, at this level of chitta, this is where, you know, sense of who knows who we are, you know, who knows how long we've been with this, how many lifetimes, and it's beyond person. So the devotional practices, carefully done, can just start to sort of stir that quality. That's why it is the value of tradition, because then, you know, what year is it? What country is it? Who's chanting it? No, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's just this, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, gone through a lot of bodies, a lot of throats, a lot of hearts, a lot of faith, a lot of courage. And it doesn't rest of it doesn't matter who, where, when. Uh, uh, and then you, you can ta- you you can let yourself go into that, into that flow, the kind of the great assembly, which is not just this particular time, but throughout time. People have been Inclining towards the good, the true, the beautiful, you know, who knows? But there's been that. We are, we have a spiritual, we are spiritual beings. And, uh, there's a depth to that, which, because it is so deep and strong, this is why we can draw resources from that to counteract some of the personal struggles and blockages and tangles that we get conditioned into. So this is there's an art to that.
Essentially, it's, you know, you don't do a lot because it's already presented. It's just you, you open it up and you sensitize. It's very much receptive sense. It's already there. We can participate in it. Mm. And beauty of it is that once you're particularly with chanting, you don't have to be that great, uh, because there's something about the quality, both the simplicity of the chants is not just a simple two or three, you know, tones, but then because it's 20 people doing it, there's this sense of all the voices begin to find each other's, the other ones, and blend, you get harmony. And that's a tremendously, um, a wonderful thing, because it's not like you have to go around and get everybody, you and you, could you do this, and could you just quiet, and you could you live, you just do it, and it sorts itself out. You know? um, so, oh, you know, what is that? And some natural sense in us which seeks, attunes to harmony, and is shared. This is just the need to receive that quality, you know, where you don't have to be so, you know, separated. Uh, and in that, the meaning of that can allow some of the our structures, our structured boundaries to really relax a little. Mm. Open up. This is the art. Yeah. There's also a craft, which is when the, an art that also has a kind of just a functional quality. And I think this has to be with a little more sense of you definitely do something. Uh, and here we have the, uh, it both has an artistic beauty to it, but it also has a certain skillfulness of application that we commit to. Um, and this is the art craft of meditation, uh, finding your body, finding how your body and mind sit together. Um, finding out how you can shift your energies or release your energies, straighten up, brighten up, relax, calm, using the, fundamentally using the body as the primary, uh, workplace. And the craft of, uh, um, creating this situation, which we all participate in. We'll participate in creating this scenario. Yeah. And so here are the, the simple the ground rules, the eight precepts. Um, and these are, are like, uh, clearly they're about boundaries, and boundaries um, are about space. So boundaries mean space can be open because it's protected from intrusion, obstruction, um, unskillful input. So space thinking they can open up rather than be held tense or agitated. And this space is the space of our receptivity. Yeah. A receptive mind can be in that quality of a space that it doesn't have to be frightened, pressurized, you know, worrying about itself. It can feel comfortable. But it only feels comfortable when there is that sense of there's boundaries there, I feel safe. Uh, freedom from intrusion, freedom from harm, freedom from obstruction. 
So these eight precepts are one evocation of that. But just to bear in mind in the larger um, range of things, it's important to have a sense of boundary um, in whatever you're doing, when you're at home or if you're doing some sense of boundary. These be in terms of <coughs> moral boundary, um, yeah, it's an important one. Yeah. And, uh, with the eight precepts and with uh, this monastic form, it's not, it's not monastery, but we'll call it monastic, it's a, it's a gone forth form, uh, form of gone forth. It's kind of shifting the values altogether. And so it's holistic. Uh, uh, means uh, it's both care for oneself, care and respect for one's own body, care and respect for the bodies of others. Yeah. Um, to care and respect for the resource field, so the planet. Care and respect for that which is sacred values, and that which means uh, whether I feel happy or unhappy at this particular time, I've sustained a particular quality of values, kept those values alive in the human realm. This may seem abstract, um, but uh, to bear in mind, because sometimes one's own thoughts and emotions do cloud the picture, those who keep the candle, light the candle of harmlessness, of restraint, of um, you know, non-harming, who keep that alive in the world, who still mean those words mean something lived out, are maintaining uh, an important channel, uh, the important channel for the welfare of everyone and everything on this planet. At least it may be more. <laughs> Certainly this planet. Oh, so every time you light and remember and go to the qualities of the harmlessness, the non-violence, the truthful, the non-manipulative, that which can trust, be trustworthy, that which doesn't take any more than is what's needed, and that which is inclined towards sharing, yeah. that which doesn't uh, wish to distort intelligence with drugs, drink, distractedness, then you're keeping something health, very healthy alive, and perhaps the fundamental source of health. Real health, not just physical health, but sanity. And as we can all recognize, it's something that you won't see in excess. You won't see an excessive sanity in the world. <laughs> so we can contribute to keeping that, just reflecting on that. And so you're treasuring that. So this is, these are the kind of things that we, we cultivate is care and respect for one's own presence, non-comparison, non-criticism, non-harming, um, 
share respect for other people. We are here to, we have to share this place. It's good that we share a place. Because it helps us to, you know, loosen some of the, the meanness about it all. And the, what I particularly want into something much more shared and, you know, let some of our idiosyncrasies soften. And something beautiful can happen in that. Real, uh, um, feeling of no longer being on edge with other people, presence of other people. So a lot of sharing, um, being with, and it means there's times when I don't want to, and I don't, I shouldn't, it's not getting nothing out of this, and why should I bother, and who does she think she is, and all that kind of stuff. This is not about any individual, this is about sustaining the field. And if I can do that, that quality will then, that, that field will then absorb and help my selfness, my selfishness, my self-consciousness to, to, to quieten down, cease. So this is the essence of the, um, form, boundaries. Meditation, as we'll get around to that, is often working primarily on how the body and the mind um, interact. Because as soon as you start to uh, experience a very lived rather than just preached quality of truth, calm, authenticity, not just textbook, but actually lived. So meditation, cultivating attention, and the ability to focus, and again that requires a certain quality of boundary, a boundary that allows space, the center, to be open. So it's not a boundary held by fear, or compulsion, or pressure, but just uh, a sense of a comfortable uh, boundary. And here we're using this very physical form, or the experience of physical form, as something to dwell within. As our, what happens within that. Now, attention most of us use the word attention, we're probably going to, on some semi-conscious level, experience something happening in our heads, even using words naturally. And attention will probably, probably be associated with a visual quality, a certain puckering, a certain tightening of gaze give attention to something, crossword puzzles, threading a needle, um, looking at a map, pay attention, that kind of thing. We might um, also, perhaps if we reflect, we also might 
attention through the ears. Sound. Listen to the sound. What's going on? That quality. Different quality to it, different experience to it. It's broader. It's more receptive. And you don't quite know where the sound will come from. You have to be open to all of it around you. So you can cultivate attention like that. These have their particular mm, strengths and limitations. The limitation, the strength of them is they, they, they can be very, uh, particularly the visual sense gives you a great deal of, of object definition. See things clearly. It's attractive to see things clearly. But what neither of these have in themselves is uh, a responsive quality. You can see something, you don't have to be do anything about it. It doesn't have to affect you. You don't involve with it. You can look at something, it doesn't necessarily see you. There's another kind of attention which is more immediately directed to um, our awareness and receptivity and it's the attention to do with the body as a sense organ the body as an experience of touch primarily but also heat of warmth, of pressure of even subtler qualities such as balance mobility energy connectedness flow and extremely the, the bodily sense is far more rich and multidimensional than the visual sense and the auditory sense and it's largely closed down because primarily well to a large extent we operate through what we read uh, signs, tablets books what we think uh, and maybe what we hear a lot of time people sitting in chairs in cars and behind desks body is just you know not not really um, it's just kind of put to one side Bodily attention, attention to the body, like the attention, and the obvious examples would be as someone who's um, balancing, tightrope walker. They don't want to be looking down at the crowds. The visual sense is actually a distraction. You want it very soft. Because you want all your attention into balance. And you can do that. People can walk on a thread, a line which is only, you know, a few half a centimetre or something thick. But you can get that. Extremely attentive. Um, and in that, you have to be both aware of what you're touching and what's happening in your body, where the, how the muscles are working, how the balance and sense is working, and so on. And that quality. 
One might also say the other obvious example we might have of a bodily attention is a gymnast or a, perhaps a, a dancer. Where everything has to be synchronized, moving together, you have to be aware of um, both what the body is physically touching, knows how the body is operating in itself, um, so it's not going to get damaged and it flows along. Now this requires also powerful attention. But it's attention that is both uh, object, you know, something there, but also extremely subjective. In my, you know, because if my mind state is incorrect, that will throw me out of balance. If I'm trying too hard, I get nervous and lose balance. If I'm drifting off, I'm not going to get it, I'm going to lose balance. Hmm? If I'm rushing, it's not going to be right. If I'm dithering, it's not going to be right. So it requires the body and the mind to come into harmony, flow together. Now this, definitely, sustaining that, is going to encourage the mind to come out of and to drop preoccupation, uh, distractedness, uh, nervousness, faltering, doubt, ill will, uh, pushiness, uh, to drop these hindrances. All these are hindrances, so the mind becomes extremely supple, light, balanced, fluid. And these are qualities that are mentioned uh, as uh, the attributes of skillful states. Body and the mind are light. The body and the mind are pliable. The body and the mind are fit. The body and the mind are workable. And these, these are, you know, in one of these lists, body and mind together, and they're light, flexible, fit for work, um, you know, and strong together. And this is really where they themselves come into harmony, they themselves experience a sense of happiness of non-distraction, happiness of non-snagging, happiness of balance, ease. Because of this happiness and non-distractedness, this is the experience called samadhi, concentration, unification which is a rather different reference to where we might imagine concentration coming from when we think of attention through our eyes. Attention is very fixing. Now, this is a different kind of composure, the composure of everything supporting itself. Different kind of, it's a soft composure. It's a living thing rather than something imposed. It's composed through its own intelligence. And the nature of this process also begins to reduce the controlling self who stands outside 
and does it. You are involved. You are completely involved. Now the one who attends to the eyes sits behind what they're doing, looks at it. They are they can somehow maintain a sense of separation. The one who is in this embodied state, the degree to which they're separating themselves from it is the degree to which they're not in it. So it's like it's uh, the equation is there. The less self, the more composed and collected it gets. The less the external judge, opinionator, wisher, fantasizer, director, manager, quibbler, warrior is present, the clearer and easier it gets. Yeah. So instead of being something that's sort of like some virtual entity outside the practice that's doing it, the practice where the body and mind, they don't need a third person. You know? Don't need the third, the abstract person. They work it out for themselves. And so there's a sense of what a relief. You know? And how true is that? Because it's not something that I've cooked up, schemed at, manipulated. It's just come through harmony and balance. It speaks for itself, it stands for itself. Nobody even did it, really. The mind did it, the body did it, truth did it. And so this is the craft, to allow something to self-fashion, to encourage a self, uh, something to, to autonomously fashion into this, this uh, harmony. This is what we will be, uh, well, what I will certainly be addressing and encouraging. Course language is very slippery and nature of language is it's always going to sound like I do this because that's the way that language works. Yeah. Mm. And so some of the phrasing can be, seem mysterious or even awkward like because it's not really the separate subject doing something to an object it's the language of meditation so I'd like to um, introduce or bring us into a little bit more um, feeling or thoroughly experiencing body in simple, direct ways. And it's all plenty. It's great you've got enough room here. So it's just a question of standing up and finding your space. You won't need a lot of space. You've got, you know, you're not be moving around much, but just enough to give you the feeling you've got all the space around you that you need. And we'll do a few uh, attunements and some perhaps some movements.